And so uh, tonight we're continuing. Like, I'm just going to pray before we get started into the, into the message tonight. Um, so, uh, Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus. Jesus, you've, you've completely captivated all of my attention. That Jesus, when I look into your eyes and into your life through the word, God, everything else just seems to make sense, God. Even though it doesn't, God, I thank you that through your spirit, God, and through your truth and through my brothers and sisters, even in this room, God, I get the honor of, of seeing what love really looks like. And Father, I thank you for this time that we get to dive into your word and into, into this topic tonight. And I ask that you just lead me and guide me in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, you guys remember, remember a few months ago... Um, when we were talking about anxiety and depression, if you guys were here, we talked about um, how one of the uh, one of the characteristics or one of the uh, rhythms that we should be engaging in in order to be emotionally healthy is actually being bored. You remember that? Like I, I made the joke. I said some people are like, "Wow, you're so boring," and then I'm like, "Wow, you're so emotionally healthy." Because so many people, they're so, they hate to be bored, so they, they overstimulate themselves. And um, something I, I want to hit on tonight in our series about powerful people is, is sometimes, sometimes there's exciting things in life um, that really excite, especially young people. But then there's some other things that seem to be boring and mundane, but they're actually the foundations and the essentials to being powerful. Okay, there's some things that are not so, um, I don't want to say this, I'll miss it. There's things that are just not as sexy as others, like <laughs> when it comes to like Christian living, but they're so essential to being powerful. Wow. <laughs> I didn't think that was that funny, but man. So what I want to draw for you to, to start off with is a little diagram. And this is from a book that's called, um, this is from a book that's called Keep Your Love On by Danny Silk. If you've ever read it, it's a great book. And so what we're going to be talking to my and powerful people is, uh, is we're going to be talking about relational boundaries, uh, but also we're going to be kind of diving into expectations, communication, honesty. So to being a powerful person is extremely important. So I'm going to give you this, and then we're going to kind of refer to it throughout the entire night. And so I'm going to give you this, and then we'll, yeah. So the first, this is, a, this, is this, this diagram, I'll explain it. So in every, if you, if you look back to Jesus' life, because Jesus is our model, he did not come as a super, super, super human, he came down and it says he left his God person behind him. He laid that aside and he came as a man empowered by the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that lives inside of you and I if we, if we surrender our lives to Jesus. 
So Jesus didn't come as this like, yes, he was God, but he laid that aside in order to model what our lives should look like. And not only in the power aspect, but also in the relational aspect. So the way Jesus did friendship, the way Jesus did community, is the kingdom way to do community. And so we can look at his life and say, wow, I should, we need to, it doesn't have to be like a copy, but it's a model that we can, we can apply to our lives. So in this relational diagram, we have the epicenter. And so in the center of our relationships, no matter what it is, in, in marriage, in, 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 in family, in work, in, in whatever it works in, especially but in relationships, friendships, the core of, of your being cannot be another person. It must be Christ. And so the, you're like, you could say it this way. Your best, my mentor, his name is Mike, uh, Mike Henley. He goes to church here. He's an amazing, amazing guy. I've told stories about him before. He says, he says to his wife, he's like, hey, honey, you're my second best friend. And she's like, as long as Jesus is your best friend, I'm okay with that. <laughs> and he says, that's the way it is. And so our best, like you could say, your, your best friend, your closest, most, most trusted person must and needs to be Jesus Christ. He's the most faithful. He's the most consistent. He's the most loving. He's the most kind. He's the most gracious. But he's also the, he's also the, the best truth teller. He's the best discipliner. <laughs> And he's, he's, he's the person that needs to be at the center of our relationships. Um, after, after Christ, we see in G, after Christ or the Father, Jesus modeled that he had different levels of friendships or relationships. So if you read in the Gospels, it's in every single Gospel, you, you see the 12 disciples. Are you familiar with that? It's like his 12 homies, his 12 best friends. Um, and so, but with his 12 disciples, there still was a hierarchy of who he was closer, closest to. And so you read in the book of John, and you see this, this, this disciple whom Jesus loved. And we see that John is actually, as we see in the New Testament, John is actually the disciple that is like Jesus' closest friend. And then we, we, look at it, we look at another parts of Scripture, and then we see the Mount of Transfiguration, which is where Jesus goes up on a mountain. He says, hey, Peter, James, and John, why don't you come with me? So then he had Peter and James, who were not at the center of, as close as John was. You want me to move this back a little bit so you guys can see it? Is that better? Um, that we're not as close as John, but we're still like good friends. And then you have the rest of the nine disciples that were still close to him, traveled with him, um, but didn't get invited up to the mountain of transfiguration. And so you see that Jesus had this, had this hierarchy. And then outside of that, you had the 72 dis, uh, disciples that he invited with him um, throughout his ministry. They followed him. He sent the 72 to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to raise the dead. He, ca- he sent them out to go do that, but they weren't invited to be in his, po- like his, his, his group, his inner circle of these first two rings. And then you had all the crowds, the thousands of people that were like out here, and 
And so we see, and this isn't a new concept to anyone. Obviously, you have friends that are closer to others. But I think it's, it's important to recognize that as young adults, y'all are, like, we're all in this weird stage, right? To where you, like, you graduate from high school, and you had your, like, your, your, you had your clan, your group, your homies in high school, and then all of a sudden, like, you graduate, some go to college, some don't go to college, some never grow up, <laughs> and now you're, like, in this young adult realm where, like, this is, like, chaos. Like, your best friend's no longer your best friend. Your inner circle now hates each other. <laughs> or you just don't talk. They went to college. They have new friends. And, now, and, then, and then there's other stages where you're in college, and then you find your people. At college, you're like, I finally have the people who understand me. I grew up in Hopkins, and they were all just farmers and hicks. And I'm an artist. And I went to college, and I found my artist friends. <laughs> right? And then you go, and then after you graduate college, now you're in this state where you're like, they go back to Tennessee and Texas and California, and this person's like, I'm going this place. And now you're in this, there's, no matter, in our young adult years, we're in this constant shifting of moving people in and out of these different spaces. And it's kind of like, and then all this tension hits. And so tonight is going to be a, a talk on how can we be a power, powerful person in the midst of relational turmoil, relational exchange, exchanges? How can we as followers of Jesus model Christ in every season that we're in? How can we model Christ when this is perfectly in line? How can we model Christ when this is, is not really, it's kind of on, a, on, on uh, uh, just a, a time of uncertainty. How do we do this? And so that's what tonight is. It's about being a powerful person. It's more of a practical, this is a practical talk um, on relationships and being a powerful person. And so as we work through this, I'm going to give you three, um, I'm going to give you three kind of topics on how we can do this. Three characteristics of a powerful person as it relates to uh, finding your people, finding your, in the process of finding your people. The first characteristic that, that I think we must have in order to model Christ in every season of, of friendships and relationships, the first characteristic is we have to be, we must be a servant. We must be a servant. And so uh, Matthew 20 uh, through 26, 26 through 28 says, Instead, this is Jesus talking, said, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. So in our lives and our friendships and relationships, the core of all of these relationships is being a servant. The best way to ruin a relationship is to be extremely needy and make it all about you. The quickest way to have unhealthy friendships is to make it all about, uh, make it all about you. 
to, to how your friends can serve you, how your friends can make your life better, how your boyfriend, girlfriend, relationships, how your family can make your life easier. The quickest way to be a defeated person is to be entitled. The first step to being a powerful person is recognizing that Jesus was the greatest servant of them all and he told us to follow him. First step is being a servant. You see, in culture, the most powerful people are the richest. In culture, the most powerful people are the strongest. In culture, the most powerful people are the most influential. They're often the most lo- they're the loudest. They're, they have the greatest strategies for social media. <laughs> the most po- but in the kingdom, in God's world, the most powerful person in a room is the one who knows how to serve the room. The most powerful person in a relationship is not the one who can manipulate, control, and make others do what they want. It's the one who says, no matter what you do, I will serve you. You see, the kingdom is upside down. It's the upside down kingdom. Culture will tell you that knowledge is power. The Bible tells you knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And greater love has no man than this, than a man who would lay down his life. I kind of like having a marker. I get to like point at you guys. I'm like, ah, it's like a scepter or something. I don't know. (laughs) Than a man who would lay down his life for a friend. You see, it's not about knowledge. I love knowledge. I love learning, right? Learning is is key. But the Bible says that all of your getting, get understanding. Knowledge is knowledge. Understanding is seeing, is applying the knowledge the way that God sees the knowledge. Is seeking the Lord and how he sees the knowledge that we've been given. You see, knowledge... Knowledge can be applied in a whole bunch of different ways. You can find out that a friend is gossiping about you. That's knowledge. But understanding will say, wow, they're probably gossiping because they're really hurting on the inside. Instead of gossiping back at them or lashing out, I should probably pray for them and then confront, not confront them, but clarify what's going on. You see, understanding knows how to act on the knowledge that we receive. So we don't need knowledge, we need understanding. The Apostle Paul understood this so, like, so, he understood this more than anyone. This is what he says in 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23. He says, though I am free and belong to no one, he's saying, I'm a powerful person. He's not walking around saying, I'm a powerful person. This is what he says. I have made myself a slave or a servant to everyone. And the reason I do this is to win as many as possible. We will never win people by arguing and being right. We will only win the lost by serving them. We will not win the lost by being more powerful, strategic. 
We will not win. You, we cannot win our families. We cannot win our, our, our colleagues and our co-workers. We cannot win our schools by anything but adopting this model of Paul of serving them, being a servant. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak. Um, I've become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save son. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessing. You see, being a servant is being Christ-like. Being a servant is one of those aspects of Christianity that sometimes isn't so sexy. Not as, laugh, not as many laughs this time. It's one of those things that it's not as glamorous. Because being a servant means you have to get dirty. Being a servant means you have to wash people's feet who have walked in the, in the dust and the dirt. It's, it's forgiving people who don't deserve to be forgiven. It's it's, it's letting things go that you want to hold on to. Being a servant is doing things that, that, that aren't fun to do. But Christ looks at, looks at the servant as the greatest in the kingdom. So I'm going to give you some, some statements here. This, these come from um, Pastor Dwayne's message. of, of, of he, It comes from his message on being a volunteer versus a servant. Being a volunteer versus a servant. I'm going to apply it in a different context of kind of how the world looks at the world looks at things versus how, how God looks at things in, in, in respect to serving. So I'll say this, the world keeps score. Servants make sacrifices. The world is time sensitive. Servants are need sensitive. The world tries to make themselves look good. Servants make God and others look good. So I'm going to pause there. In, in serving, how does this relate to this? Sometimes we look at our relationships and we look at them with what, how, does this, how does this impact and serve me? You see, looking outward, every relationship as we go out is how can we serve those around us? So when you look at your best friend, so this person in your middle, this was John for Jesus. If you're married, it would be your spouse. If it's not your spouse, it might be a family member who you're really close with. It might be a best friend that you have that's in that closest relationship. In, in that closest relationship, you see the world looks at it as what's in this for me. And a servant, a powerful person looks like the closest person in my life. How can I serve them in every situation? In a marriage relationship, it's not what can I get out of this marriage. It's how can I serve my wife? How can I serve Abby? and uplift, encourage, and make her win in life more than I win. And I look out at my best friends and my family and the people that are in this circle, and I look, how can I make them? How can I serve them? And I look even out here, the people in my life, how can I serve? How can I, how can I encourage? How can I uplift? How can I, how can I set them up for success? How can I invest in their future? How can I give to them? You see, because relationships are not about us. It's about... Being a powerful person in a relationship is about serving the people that you're in relationship and friendship with. And when people who are doing that to each other, can you see how that works? 
and how that breeds security, and how that breeds confidence, and how that breeds trust, and how that breeds health, and how it breeds unity, and how it breeds kingdom, and how people on the outside would look in and say, I want to be a part of your friend group. And you say, what makes you guys different? And we say, we follow Jesus because we serve. So the world looks at friendships for what they can get out of it. Servants look for what they can give to it. The world is all about convenience. Servants value the commitment of a relationship. The world makes themselves feel superior. Servants are humble. Servants are humble in their relationships. So the first key to being a powerful person in relationships is, is being a servant. Second one is being consistent. Ooh. And to, and to model consistency, what I want to mention is I actually want to highlight um, two, two of our leaders in the room. I, I, I highlighted, or three leaders, I highlighted Luke earlier. I want to highlight Kevin Maurer and Craig Prince. If you don't know them, you need to get to know them. Because they're two of the most consistent men that I've ever met in my life. That hell or high water, going through crazy relational <laughs> battles with people in your life. They've modeled this heart of wanting not only to do the right thing, but to model Christ in every situation. And I've seen, I've seen Craig give and give and give and be generous and generous and generous. And pr- do you know that every time one of you guys in the room, specifically young guys, if you start coming to Access and Craig connects with you and he talks to you, because Craig, uh, we love Craig, he loves talking. And he connects with you, and he, and he loves on you, and he brings you in. Do you know that if you stop talking, he comes to me and he says, Jake, where did they go? And we can laugh about it, but he loves you guys. And when you, don't, and when you disconnect, it breaks his heart. He came to me and said, where? There was a guy who was coming, and he hasn't been coming. He's like, where? Jake, do you know where he is? I've been praying for him. And I see, and sometimes we look, at, we look at the older generation and we might say, this isn't to you guys, they're boring, you know, like this or that, or like, oh, look at, and it's like, no, they are consistent. And the prayer that I've had recently is, God, don't make me more passionate, don't make me more fiery, make me more consistent. Because guess who you go to, right? You have all your friends, you have all your buddies, you're going out partying, doing pranks, going out, doing all these fun things, being wild and crazy. But when poop hits the fan, who do you go to? You go to your mama. You go to that person in your life who you didn't have fun with, who you didn't have emotional turmoil through. You go to the person who is most consistent. And to be a powerful person, it is not about being the most flamboyant. It is not about being the most charismatic. It is not being the most influential. It's not being the most loud. It's who can follow Christ with consistency. Who will be the person that when emotions fly high and they fly low, they are consistent? It's it's being a powerful person. 
Matthew 7 talks about it, and Jesus says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who's built his house on sand. The rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house. And it fell with a great crash. You see, consistent people have a relationship with the consistent one. It says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when you know him, guess what? You're not going to be a roller coaster. And, and if, you have, if you're going through emotional stuff, I'm not condemning you. I'm just saying when it's an invitation into knowing him. Because when you know him, you become consistent. Because in the, in the all history of the world, no one's been able to change God. I'll say this. In order to be consistent, we need to have a relationship with a consistent one, but on a more, on even in, on a practical level, that's practical, but on another practical level, we need to have people in our life, who are consistent. I'm going to say this right now. Some of y'all have inconsistent lives. It's because some of y'all are hanging out with some pretty inconsistent people. First Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be misled. Bad company. Do you know why it says do not be misled? Because most people are misled. It says, bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. It's interesting that he, that he relates here. Paul relates bad company to sinning and living a lifestyle that, that we know is wrong. For there, are those, for there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. Bad company corrupts good morals, you will become who you hang around with. In order, and for myself, one of, the, one of the ways I stay consistent is I meet with my mentor once a week. Some weeks, some, I mean, I have good weeks, I have bad weeks, and guess what? When I have, when I have bad weeks, guess who I go to? On Thursday mornings when I meet with my mentor, I go to him, I say, hey, this is what's going on, and, he's, and he looks at me, he's about 50, he's 59, my, my friend, and he says, hey, it's going to be all right. And then he tells me some stories that he went through. And I'm like, wow, I don't have it that bad. <laughs> He's like, it's going to be all right. Right? Consistency. We cannot trust our own selves to be consistent. We need people, mentors. If you don't have a mentor, I wish getting a mentor were easier, but it's a lot harder than it, than it, than it seems, especially one that you can connect with. But don't give up. Don't give up trying to get a mentor. I mentioned two people in this, in this room who are here every single week, who are extremely consistent, who are willing not to, to mentor all of you, but are waiting and they're here to pour into young men and who are willing to be, who are going to be consistent figure in our lives. We also have Sherry and we have Michelle and we have Brenda who are all older, consistent figures who we need to glean and learn from. 
who we need to submit ourselves to and say, I do not know it all, and I need some consistency in my life. Now, if it's not them, maybe it's a parent, maybe it's, it's, it's someone else and another adult figure that you know. But listen, you can, we cannot overlook the importance of having a consistent mentor in our lives. Consistency is key. And the last is honesty. Third characteristic of a powerful person is honesty. So this is where I'm gonna I'm gonna touch, I'm gonna come back to this. So those are the three characteristics. This is what I've noticed about young adults. Is this is not everyone, so this doesn't class, this is, doesn't categorize you, just bear with me. Categorizes me for sure. I want to be friends with everyone. There's this thing called FOMO, fear of missing out. And so you see another friend group, and they're at access, and they're in a circle, and they're... <laughs> and you're like, I have three friends right here. We're not having nearly as much fun as over there. I need to get in that friend group. And you have three perfectly good friends over here. But you're like, they're having more fun. Hey, guys, um, I'm kind of tired. Um, I'm going to go home. How many times have I seen this? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my. I'm going to go home. It's like, no, you just want to stop talking to me. Let's be real here. You are, they're leaving. Next thing you know. They're in that group. <laughs> Half an hour later, you're leaving and you're like, what are you still doing here? Oh, uh, we just got talking. <laughs> hey, if you want to be done talking to me, just tell me. I'm done talking to you. You're not going to hurt my feelings, okay? <laughs> it's kind of a side note. So there's a thing called fear of missing out, which is we get so in this comparison mode, and we're so insecure about the friends that we have, and we wonder, are these friends the best friends that I can have? And, and, and I'm, I'm speaking to people who have good friends, who have a friend group. If you have not found your group, if you haven't found like this group, those three people, listen, it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be a friend. It can be a sibling. Like, it can be a parent. Like, it can be, it doesn't have to be your peers. Because like I said, consistency is so important. Now also, having adventure and camaraderie and brotherhood and sisterhood is also extremely important. But the more important relationships and friendships we need to have are the ones of consistency and ones that bring um, joy, peace, patience, encouragement to our lives. And so, and so what I want to say is there's this, there's this dynamic that we have with our friend groups, which is, I'm going to mention a few of them. So the first one is this. So you have like, you have like your best friend, right? But not, so this is where honesty comes in. You're growing distant to your best friend. So remember, we're talking about being a powerful person. Or maybe your best friend 
you're, you're coming to access and you're pursuing God and your best friend actually isn't. And your best friend is actually going out, they're partying, they're, they're, they're sleeping around, or maybe, maybe they're not even doing that. Maybe they're just an atheist or an agnostic, and they're, they're really skeptical, and they're challenging your faith, and they're asking, why are you doing that? And So this best friend that you've had, maybe growing up in college, maybe you've known them since you were in high school, you have this best friend who's like, who's like been there for you in the thick and thin. Maybe you had some depression when you were young. Maybe you went through traumatic things, and this person was there for you, but now you're growing, and you're, you're growing in your faith, and this best friend really, like you're not jiving anymore. And right, this best friend is calling you to hang out, and you're like, I'm busy. And then your best friend calls you, and they're like, hey, I'm go- we're going um, to this party. Like, Do you want to come? And you're like, uh, I'm, I'm hanging out with my, I have a date that night. You know, like you're lying, literally lying. I've been there, done that, lied to people to get out of like bad situations. And, and so now we see this person drifting from these inner circles and we can see them start drifting out here. But here's our issue. Being a powerful person is saying, you know what? I can be honest with that person even if it hurts their feelings. Being a powerful person goes to your friend and says, listen, I love you. Like you've been there for me. And I'm not saying I don't want to have friendship with you, but where I'm going at in life is different than where you're going at in life. And I'm still, I'll still hang out with you and I'll still talk to you but I'm going to be actually be pulling back from this friendship. Because I'm going in a direction where God is leading me. Eee, how many people's skin are just irking like at the thought of doing that? Like, that is so mean. I'll tell you what's mean is lying to your friend and going six months without talking to them and then there's a blow-up conversation and they hate you because of it. Happened to me. And now, instead of having a healthy, honest, being a powerful person in your friendships, as you're navigating this, this, this life of people moving in and out, instead of being honest, we actually are running from confrontation. And we're running from the very thing that Jesus modeled for us, which is being completely powerful and being fully capable of having honest conversations. Listen, I'll say this, it's okay if people are mad at you. It's okay if people blame God because you stop hanging out with them. It's okay if people get angry at God and angry at Christians because they're so judgmental. You guys are so judgmental. Like, you're not going to be friends with me because I do that. I don't know why I'm talking in that voice, but like, <laughs> like, like, seriously, oh my, I'm done. I'm done with Christians. I am done with Christians been there. It's been said to me, like, I, I've heard that. But listen, as powerful people, we need to be okay with that. Because if our heart is honesty, and if our heart is to serve that person, and that heart isn't going to take that offense, we can place them. It doesn't mean they, do, they can't be in our lives. We just may place them from here to here. You know, we may place them, and we can still encourage them. We can still love them. We can still celebrate their birthdays. We can still celebrate the, the things that are happening in their lives, but it, it's just not as close. In the, in the, in the, 
the criticism I have of myself and how I've handled things and others that I've seen is we haven't talked to the people and friends and relationships. We haven't communicated honestly with them. In with the heart of, I don't want to hurt their feelings. But the issue is, is when you aren't honest, you will eventually hurt their feelings. Upfront honesty is the, is the best and, mo- and the healthiest way to communicate what's going on, on the, in your mind and in your heart in relationships. Are you following? So the other part of honesty that, that we need to, uh, I would say the other part of being a servant and consistent in, in relation to this is, listen, don't place yourself in someone else's inner circle without their permission. Remember we talked about assuming last week? Don't assume without a conversation that you are someone's best friend. I know it seems silly, but sometimes, like especially in a, in a, in a group like this, in the Christian culture, sometimes we're like, we love Jesus, you love Jesus, I love Jesus, we're best friends. And it's like, we're brothers, slow down, there's a difference, <laughs> you know? And I'm not, I'm not bashing it. I'm just saying, listen, being a powerful person means that we're not going to invade someone else's boundary. The only way to get into, the only way to have a healthy relationship in, this inner, in these inner circles is with time, consistency, and serving. But if we're in it for what we can get, we will quickly invade someone else's boundaries. And listen, if that's you and you feel rejection, listen, it's not rejection. When someone says, whoa, 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 like, right? And listen, if someone does that to you, listen, clear, this is real talk. If someone is doing that to you even now in this season where you feel like they're texting you all the time, calling you more than you want to, asking you to hang out, and you're like avoiding it, right? And you're avoiding it. Listen, be a powerful person and talk to them and be honest. You know what God, Jesus calls that? Love. Because this is what I know happens. They're texting you, da-da-da-da, right? You're like, you're feeling awkward. You see them at access. You see them at church. You see them at the gym, and you're like. <laughs> right? And I'm not, and listen. You're telling me that's love? You're trying to protect them? And then guess what? Somebody else has a common experience with that person, and now you're going to go, and you're going to, oh, my gosh. They they did that to you too? Oh my gosh. Gossip. You're telling me that's love? You're telling me that that's honor? You're telling me that's, that's Christ? You're telling No. No, what's Christ-like is to go to that person and say, hey, listen, like, like, I so appreciate the conversations we have, right? I so, like, listen, I see your heart. It is gold. But listen, when you text me all the time, like, this is how it makes me feel. 
when you text me all the time, it doesn't actually makes me not want to talk to you when I see you. And you can be like, oh, that's so mean. It's true. And if, this, if no one will tell someone that, they are going to continue to do that and breed this stigma that they really don't want. But who is willing to be a brother and say, listen, I love you, and because I love you, this is going to hurt, but for your benefit, it is good for you. Instead of gossiping and talking behind their back instead. Come on, guys. Let's be a powerful people. Let's, be, let's not fall into the trap of, 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 of the way the world works. And listen, when you can do that and we help people who are invading, listen, what that does is it, is it, is it helps them to be powerful themselves. And the third thing I'm going to talk about with honesty, servants' consistency, is when you feel you're getting close to someone and you feel like, whoa, whether it's your mom, your dad, a sibling, whether it's like, whether it's your, your spouse, like it's, it's assumed, but you should still communicate your love, devotion, affection, and commitment to that person. When you have people in these inner circles in your lives, remember it changes, and when it changes, you have to talk to them, okay? You have to talk to them, because if you don't, eventually you'll have this, you'll see them, and you'll be like, this is awkward, because we haven't talked and we haven't really talked. When you feel someone's moving from like here to here, right? And you're like, you know what? I, I think this person, it's been, I've known this person for, you know, six months to a year. And because young adult, it's, it's way, like the process is faster because it's just that way. Like, listen, be okay in being honest with them and saying, hey, this like, I've, like, not, not that you're asking someone, up, but it's, it's communicating honestly where you see your friendship. And I don't be like, that's so cheesy. No, it, it may be cheesy, but it's really healthy. And when someone, you know, and it, like, communicate. You know how much honor and love it is to someone when you say, hey, like, I'm committed to our friendship. And I'm committed to serve you. And if it's a parent or a sibling, hey, you know, mom, dad, whatever, like that you're really close, like, hey, I just want to let you know I, pre- I so appreciate all that you've done for me and the friendship that we have. And I'm committed to serve and build this, this friendship. But what can happen really easily is sometimes these people are really, really like, the reason you're close to them is because they are consistent. It's because they are powerful. And so that's why you want to be around them. And so sometimes because of that, we do this weird thing where we're like, well, they're good. So I'm going to spend all my time investing in these people because they need me. Does that make sense? So it's like, I have my best friends, but I don't, I don't spend or communicate or show, like, I don't give and be, I'm generous to my friends. I'm generous to strangers and people that I don't know. That's not what Jesus modeled. And so when we have these friends here, we do this weird thing where we love, and I'm guilty of this, we love people more consistently who aren't even a part of our lives, really, than we do the people that are closest to us. 
You know why? You know why we do this? Is because when we disappoint these people, they get angry with us. They get disappointed. They may even start gossiping about you, and you hate that. So we do this thing called people-pleasing, where we make sure all these people are happy because we do, God forbid, we be a bad witness to all these bad these people, and they think that we're not loving and kind. So we're gonna go out of our way to serve all these people. And then the people that are close to us, we, sh- we shake to the side and we say, well, you're a powerful person, so I expect you to respond that way. And all the while, you have no real friendships. Because while you are doing that, the people that are close to you are moving you on the outside. And then you're on the outside, but now you think you're on the inside and you come in, in time of need and they're like, where have you been? I've been giving and giving and giving and giving to you. But you've been so busy with ministry. You've been so busy with all these outreaches. You've been so busy with all these other things. And you've never done anything to serve and support me, my dreams, and what God's doing in my life. Does this make sense? And this is where the, the megachurch, we have a megachurch, this is where the megachurch mentality comes in. We, we must let everyone know that they belong. Listen, I believe and agree with that, but not at the cost of your core friendships and relationships. Because the world will see, listen, here's the problem, here's the problem with this, is that we love strangers really well, but we talk bad about our parents, we talk bad about our best friends, we have gossips and fights with all these closest people, the people we say we love, we are the meanest to. Because we're so busy serving the people that we don't know. Guess what? It's way easier to love someone who you don't know than it is to love someone who you know all the crap. And you never build any lasting friendships because you never go through any conflict with anyone because you've never taken the time to serve someone, to serve their dreams, to serve their passion, and to serve their life. And being a powerful person is recognizing this. It's, I, Abby and I did this the other month where we, we, we took this and we wrote names. And we, we wrote names and then we, we wrote who the people are in our life that we're committed to. And then being a powerful person, what happens is, is you write these things and you say, okay, so if someone out here asks to like spend time with us, we have to check in here of have we served these people? Does that, does that make sense? Like have we served the people that we've decided to commit to? And if we haven't, guess what? It's a really easy easy answer. It's like, hey, thanks for inviting us, but we can't. Well, why not? It's like we actually have other friendships that we're really committed to. Oh my gosh, I thought we were friends. It's like we are friends, but we've made a decision as we've been a powerful couple, and we've made decisions of who we're going to invest in. And what relationships? It doesn't mean we can't ever hang out. It doesn't mean we can't hang out and once in a great while. But people view that as very mean, and people view that as uninviting. I view that as powerful. Do you know that Jesus did this one thing? You know what Jesus did? All these people following him. He chose 12. All these people, I want to follow you, Jesus. He's like, sorry, only can take 12. 
Can you imagine all the people that were like, I want to go. Can I, can I go on the tour bus with you, Jesus? Can I go on tour with you? And he's like, sorry, I only can take 12. And guess what? The father told him one day, go up on this mountain and I am going to make you levitate and shine the glory of the Lord on you, Jesus. That really happened, right? Jesus, it's called the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus goes up on the mountain. The heavens open. In the glory of the Lord, this cloud of just majesty, light, and, and beauty, Jesus is clothed with it. And Jesus starts levitating. You guys are not thrilled by that. Like, that's incredible. And guess what Jesus did? If it were me, I'd be like, okay, Father, this is what we're doing. Okay. I would get, I'd be like, you know those, you know those 5,000, those 15,000 people that we gave loaves and fish to? Get all of them. They all need to see this. They all need to see the glory and the this and then the, and the light and the, and the levitating. And, <laughs> like, they all need to see it. They all need to see it. That's what I would have done. But Jesus said, I'm only taking three. Oh my God, that's so exclusive. <laughs> Listen, Jesus is exclusive because he knows that the reproduction of relationship and love can only happen in small environments. Can only happen in small environments. So let's be a powerful people who serve and are not entitled. Who pursue consistency. And ask the Lord to make us consistent. Like Jesus, like Paul, like Craig, like Kevin. And let's be honest. When all this is shaken out, listen, be a powerful person. Have Some of you need to have conversations tonight. Some of you need to have conversations when you go in your car and you need to call someone. Don't do it over text. Don't be like, Hey, I have other relation, other friendships, and I really just can't. I don't have time for you. <laughs> that is wrong, and you will offend them, and that is your fault. <laughs> Do not text them. Be loving. Listen, being honest with someone is, 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 when people are like, how many of you just don't like fake people? Like when someone's like honest with you, you're like, finally, finally, someone will tell me the dang truth. Listen, be that person who will tell someone the dang truth. <laughs> be that person who will be honest when someone invades your boundary. <laughs> Not in a way of being frustrated, but in a way of, of serving the person who may not have the relational skill to know what's really going on. And don't feel condemned when you can't love everyone. Don't be the person who has to invite everyone to everything because what you'll end up doing is being all alone at the end. Invest in those close relationships. Communicate to those close friendships and serve them with the love of Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love. God, we thank you for modeling the servant heart. And God, we ask that you teach us to be powerful. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, guys. Have a great night, and we'll see you guys on Sunday morning or next week, Thursday.